0: You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jags Den Podcast. Uh, I believe this is episode 50. Don't quote me on that, <laughs> but we are uh, we are up there making uh making marks here in terms of the Jazz Den podcast. I am your host, James Johnson, a.k.a. Sports Grind underscore Don, as you all know me on Twitter, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. That's jaguarswire.usatoday.com. And as you all know, the Jazz Den is the official podcast for the Jaguars Wire. So we're going to get right into it today. Um, I'm joined by Jacob DeLawrence, uh phil can join us um who is uh he's under the weather but uh as you all will hear in our interview we got an interview with charles goldman from the chief's wire managing editor uh we want to send our prayers to the people in the bahamas and florida as well and uh that said jacob my man how are you doing
2: oh man i'm doing good uh like you said we just had a quality interview with one of our buddies from the chief's wire so You'll be hearing that sooner. Either you just heard it. Yeah, Depends upon how we frame this. But nonetheless, I'm doing good today. And Phil is under the weather, literally and fictively speaking. He is sick and he is currently catching the outer bands of the hurricane as it passes up the coast. Yep. Yep. So
0: last I checked with the people of Florida or Jacksonville, at least Uh, they are hanging in there. Um, I don't I don't think anything too drastic has happened. Thank God um, everybody's safe and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, I I guess you could say a lot of other people weren't as fortunate. And like I said, we want to send our thoughts and prayers to those, uh, on the East coast of Florida, those who, um, that will be affected on the coast of Georgia and Carolinas and those in the Bahamas. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, hope everybody is safe and sound, um, after this catastrophic um, storm. So, um, as you all know, our other handles at Jag Den Podcast on Twitter for the Jag Stand Podcast at the Jaguars Wire for the Jaguars Wire Twitter handle uh, at Phil the Filipino for Phil who normally hosts the show at Underscore Jadella for Jacob and of course you can find us on uh, many many platforms on the web most notably iTunes. Feel free to comment, rate, and subscribe. Stitcher, Tune In, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And then we are also on the Audio Boom Network with our USA Today comrade brothers, who you can find in the search bar. Uh, Just find us up under USA Today Sports. And then our many, many podcasts will pop up, including the Jaguars Wire. So uh, real quick, uh, we got some quick hits. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to let you run through them. It's not but two this time around,
2: uh, but nonetheless, we got some. Uh, Yeah, just a couple quick little hits real quick today, including the Jaguars have made four waiver claims, and they've named the 10-man practice squad, although one thing is relatively new in regards to the practice squad. They did cut Elijah Hood in exchange for another player. Anything to that, James? Just Um, the typical shuffling of the deck before week one? Yeah,
0: for uh, Hood, they swapped out for Eli Ancoy, who – as if we all know, that was a, he was a nose tackle. He played on the Jag squad last year. Uh, they named him to the final roster at first. They cut him, and then they put him on the practice squad in the place of Hood. So I mean, it makes sense that they did that because they were kind of deep at running back. So it makes sense that they let Hood go, um, because I don't think like they'll really need another running back on the roster, whether that's practice squad or whatever the case may be. Um, but. To uh, to kind of segue into that, the waiver claims they got was self-devalve, tight end from the Browns, running back Tyler Irvin from um, one of your teams, Jacob, that's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, uh, Matt ordich who is also from the Ravens, that's the long snapper. He's going to be taking snaps and starting right out of the gate, Um, and he's replacing Matt Overton. And then it's uh, running back, another running back, uh, Divine Ozigbo. Some of you all may remember him from the draft this year, from the New Orleans Saints. Had a very good preseason with them, and uh he will be behind Leonard Fournette, Rock Armstead, and um yeah, on the depth chart because Alfred Blue has been placed on injured reserve, which I probably should have put in the quick hits. But yeah, Alfred Blue was placed on injured reserve, so they needed somebody behind Fournette and the rookie, and it looks like Ozigbo will be that guy, and uh Tyler Irvin from the Baltimore Ravens will be the number four. So Yep, that pretty much explains all of those moves all in one.
2: Yeah, nice and easy and quick. Basically just shuffling around, filling in where you need to fix it. And speaking of a couple more moves of filling around and fixing stuff, the Jaguars picked up linebacker Austin calitro and cut Gil's Harris. James, again, just some more shuffling and changing things out. Or is there something possibly to this?
0: No, I think what it was with Giles Harris, he was a undrafted rookie. One, He was one of two undrafted rookies to make this team. It was him and I think it was, oh, yeah, Andrew Wingard from the uh, – he played say, uh, safety. Both undrafted rookies made the team, and, uh, you know, that's hard to do in today's day and age, especially a team as a t- as that is as talented as the Jags. So Giles Harris was a big deal from that perspective, and he was relatively – popular at Duke. Um, so that being said, though, they saw uh, this opportunity to get Austin. Uh, what is it? Calitro from the Seahawks uh, it was cut Monday, if I'm not mistaken, because the Seahawks had to add a, uh, a fullback. So they added a fullback, they cut Austin. And then basically that allowed the Jaguars to be able to pick him up off of waivers. Calitro uh, is a guy with five starts.
2: If I'm not mis- uh, if. Yeah, I can recall. Yeah, he st- he played in all 16 games last year. He had five starts. He accumulated 45 tackles and a sack. So, yeah. So, he was, he, you know, he, he was there. He did his job. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a standout, but he wasn't horrible. He was right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. He uh, So, again, he offered – uh, just from what me and Jacob said, he offered experience over Giles Harris, who was an undrafted rookie. Now, like Giles Harris had a great preseason and he's, you know, he started to become a fan favorite. You would think if he clears waivers and that's kind of questionable because there may be some teams out there that liked him in college at Duke. But if Giles Harris can clear waivers, uh, it's probably a strong possibility that they'll put him on the practice squad because, I mean, obviously they thought highly enough of him to put him on the main roster for a day or whatever the case may be. So look out for that. Um, I guess we'll know probably today, which is the, what, September
2: 4th or tomorrow, September 5th. Yeah.
1: And that is
2: basically it for the quick hits. Like we said, it was nice, quick, in and out, and easy today. Just a couple little roster shakes just to get everything nice and ready for week one. And speaking of getting things nice and ready and plush, especially plush, one of the many question marks on the defensive side of the ball got paid this week. No, it is unfortunately not Yannick Ngakwe. It is, however, his Fellow linebacker, for all intents and purposes, Miles Jack signed a new extension worth 57 mil with 33 mil guaranteed. Jay, other than show me the money, and man, I smell like money. I feel like money. What <laughs> else you got to say about Miles getting that new deal today?
0: Man, I, I was I was happy to say the least that it happened, uh, but at the same time, a little bit shocked—not shocked that he got his deal early, but more so shocked that they elected to give the linebacker the money over the pass rusher. And that, a lot of people that's concerned, a lot of people, um, you know, it, it makes people wonder, are the jazz being frugal about Yannick and Gakwe's situation. And furthermore, uh, does it mean Yannick and Gakwe won't get his money now? And you know, I, right now, I don't know the answer to that question right now, personally, but I will say this, uh, the Jaguars would be foolish not to pay Yannick and Gakwe his money, whatever that is. We don't know the price on that, but they would be foolish to let him go. Um, and, and for one, like that trio from 2016, Jalen Ramsey, Miles, Jack and Yannick, they want to stay together. So when you look at this deal and I said this on Twitter, it, he, I think he, uh, Miles could have got more money personally, Uh, the 33 million. he, I think he could have got closer to what Bobby Wagner got in terms of guarantees. Uh Jacob, you probably had to look that up for me got, but I know it wasn't 33 million. It was more along the lines of 40 million or something like that. So I was expecting him to kind of get to that 35 to 40 kind of range in terms of guarantee. So it looks like to me he left money on the table if the Jaguars want to use that quote unquote salary cap excuse. Uh so it I think they want to <laughs> stay together. You know what I'm saying in terms of and Jalen Ramsey has already said it on Instagram. Um, they want to stay together and hopefully they can stay together. Uh ultimately, time will tell.
2: Yeah, they gave Wagner, who is currently twenty nine years old right now, they gave him fifty four million. It keeps him in Seattle for three more years, so he'll be there through the twenty twenty two season. It averages about eighteen mil a year, and it is forty point two guaranteed. So that's really all that matters is the guaranteed money. <laughs> Right, yeah. So
0: he got seven million more than Miles Jack. So, like I said, just the fact that he Miles Jack didn't even try and get thirty-five million or you know something along those lines, it, to me that that kind of says something to me that he maybe wants a deal done for Yannick too. But I mean, I guess some people might disagree with that, and and some people might disagree that the Jaguars will be able to keep Yannick and Gakwe and that they might let him go.
2: Uh, Nah, there's no way that you would let this man go. I think more so what this was, was a deal of Yannick is going to eat up more than they thought. So it was, let's go ahead and take care of everything around him that we can and see if we can take them to take smaller cuts. Because like you said, Miles Jack probably could have got a deal a little more closer to Bobby Wagner, but Miles was like, no, nah, no, nah, I want to stay in Jacksonville. I want to stay with Jalen and I want to stay with Yannick. So if I got to leave a little on the table, I expect you to do right by me and go pay my man.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, a you hit the nail on the head with Miles. Miles really likes it from what I hear. And T-Wig actually talked about this. He really likes it in Jacksonville. And um, I, I, I believe that. I, I mean, he's, when he was drafted, you know, when they make the trip from the draft to the actual facility, and they show, you know, they do videos of, of this, that, and the other. The first thing, one of the first thing Miles Jack does is goes to Dave Caldwell. And this is when Dave Caldwell was running the show himself and hugs him and says, thank you, man, for taking me. Thank you for coming up and trading up and taking me. I'm paraphrasing him here. From that point on, that told me all I needed to know about how much Miles Jack wanted to be in Jacksonville. And furthermore, you know, he didn't want to continue to. Of course, he was supposed to be a first-round pick. He didn't want to continue to sit on the board and teams to continue to pass on him. I think he put a lot into Dave Caldwell trading up for him and coming to get him. And I think he he really liked it in Jacksonville when he
2: visited. And the rest is history. So, yeah. Yeah, so he's paid. He'll be here for a few more years. It'll be about another year or so before they start trying to figure out how much they're going to have to pay Jalen. Hopefully by then Yannick will be settled and all good, all's well that ends well. And speaking of ending things and things being well, that moves us right to the depth chart. The preseason is finally over. We have real football coming starting tonight, Thursday, with the NFL kicking off their 100th year. And it's starting with probably the oldest and most notable rivalry in football with the Bears and the Packers. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's all fine and dandy. Nobody cares. Sunday,
0: (laughs) just field
2: to the old field to the old school (laughs) Rogers, Khalil, Matt, Kyle Fuller. Great, all fine and dandy. Cheeseheads, Lambo, Soldier, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody cares. We're trying to get to the field that hosts the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Okay, that's what we're here for. Exactly, that's right. The till in the back, it will be. The Chiefs, who are coming off of the crushing into their season against the Patriots, which we spoke about with our guests from the Chiefs Wire, So, you know, we have that covered here. And they're coming to Duval because it appears due to the hurricane not hitting Jacksonville as directly as expected. The game will be good to go for Sunday in Duval. So you got to come deal with the humidity and you got to come see the Jags and the Jags finally have a set roster, and anything interesting about the depth chart going into this matchup from the Jacksonville standpoint?
0: Um, Not, I mean, it's not like too many surprises, and this can get kind of long, so I'll kind of make it short, uh, despite it not being a lot of surprises, but okay, so one thing, Nick Foles uh, and Gardner Minshew are your only two quarterbacks. Uh, I've long felt, and I think Phil and Jacob agree with me that they probably should have had a veteran. I would have liked to seen a guy like um Brian yeah. Hoyer. But I mean, when you I looked at Brian Hoyer contract, I was like, okay, well, I knew they weren't gonna do that after what I saw what he signed for. Uh so I guess it makes sense from that perspective, but you still you want a veteran behind foes, is all I'm saying. So that was one thing that stood out to me. And I I mean, I'm not surprised because you know, the front it's the front office. They want to see Minshew develop um he can't really do that obviously in the regular season but uh they want to show that faith in him and you know they want to show that they know what they were doing by drafting him uh you know ultimately time will tell we might see him earlier uh than next preseason because as we all know and we're gonna knock on wood we don't wish injury on anyone but nick Foles uh doesn't have the best history in terms of health. And I mean, actually he surfaced on the injury report today, which we should have probably talked about, but he, they were expecting him to be a full goal. Although the Jaguars didn't have practice, it was a projected injury report, if you will. So.
2: Yeah, it was one of those scenes. He might be banged up. So we'll just list it type deal. Right. Exactly.
0: And again, they didn't take the practice field, but had they taken the practice field, that was the injury report that was, Projected. Um, so that was one. Uh, a receiver, Marquise Lee, starting. Me and Jacob have talked about this. As Jacob said, he's starting. Uh, they put him at the number one spot. Uh, again, my concern when we talked about this two weeks ago was, okay, now you're gonna replace somebody who has better chemistry with Lee at the receiver spot, and better chemistry. I mean, with Nick Foles. Are you gonna replace that receiver with Lee? And now Nick Foles has to get acclimated to that guy, which is which is Marquise Lee in this case. Uh, you know, that's a little concerning because you need to go into this Chiefs games. Gun, guns ablaze and on the same page. And um, that's not to say it's not like Marquise Lee hasn't been practicing with Foles and whatnot. But obviously, you know, Foles got that chemistry locked down with DJ Chark and Chris Conley in the summer at training camp because obviously Lee was rehabbing. So that was the point I was trying to make, but it looks like Jacob was right. He's going to start. <laughs> at, least, at least it looks like it. He's going to start. Um, this is by the way, this was a depth chart by the PR office. So don't nobody go and be like, Oh, this is an official depth chart or this is a depth chart that, that Jaguars wires reporting." No, this was by the PR office. So this is them. By right, what they've seen in practice, this is them putting a depth chart together to the best of their ability, which should be probably accurate when you look at it because, I mean, they've been going to practice, obviously. So um, that was one at the receiver spot.
2: Uh,
0: anything and else? Also,
2: as, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, not to cut you off, but with receivers, depth chart is like, okay, and because most teams are going to roll out a two, three receiver set to be majority of the time anyway. Well, I, so it's more so like who's slot, who's on the outside. That's where it becomes more interesting. Right, seeing Marquise right. Lee there, it's like, okay, that's expected. And you look right underneath him, it's DJ Chark, So you are like, okay, cool. And then you figure Westbrook Cole, they'll take three, four. So that that's not too surprising. And also, we don't know exactly how healthy Marquise Lee really is. So like you said, this yeah, was a chart definitely. put out by PR, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, play one, Marquise Lee is going to go out there and start in his normal spot. Right, right. That's true. That's very true. Uh, that Because, I mean, like with this depth chart, ultimately,
0: like I said, it's probably accurate for the most part, but it's a matter of we have to actually see it on the field at 1 o'clock on Sunday to really tell like who is where on the depth chart. So, Like I said, Tad Dickman, shout-outs to him in the PR department. They do great work there, and this is what they put together to the best of their ability. Um so I think, oh yeah, another standout here on the offensive line, right guard, we got co-starters with AJ Ken and Will Richardson. Uh the Jack to stop playing games, okay? And just <laughs> <named Will> Richardson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like and, and Doug Moreau actually alluded to this last week in preseason week four. You know, he was saying like we'll see in practice. Like really, just just name somebody a starter there. I know Will Richardson when he did start in Week three against the Dolphins. He struggled with penalties, but that was his first time starting. He was antsy. You know, it's not like AJ Can went out in that game, the exact same game against the Dolphins and killed it. He had, if I can recall, Can had a penalty too, and he didn't look all that good either. So give it, in my opinion, this is all I'm saying. Give it to the guy with the best upside. Because for Richard to be on Can's heels all summer, that tells you all you need to know about. Will Richardson ceiling probably being higher than Can's, So get him out there and start letting him get experience in my book. But that's my personal opinion on the tape. So, um, of course, Juwan Taylor, rookie, starting at right tackle. We knew that at the time the Jaguars drafted them in the second round in April. No surprise there. On uh, defense, no really surprises there. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I mean, aside from the, the most notable thing you could talk about here, And it's not a surprise, but Quincy Williams is back. As we talked about last week, he was at practice. uh, And the week before that, he began running. So he's been 100% pretty much. Uh, It was expected that he'll be back when he had the meniscus procedure, which was minor. This was the plan all along that Doug Marone said. Uh, He basically said he'd be back week one. So that's good to see he's back. And he's in the starting lineup at Telvin Smith's old spot. So it'll be him, Miles, Jack, Leon Jacobs as the three starters at that position. And um, yeah, I think it was one more thing I wanted to talk about. But The only thing
2: that jumps out to me is looking at special teams and you look at the punt returner, you have DD Dee slash Tyler Irvin. Yeah. Kind of interesting. And what's also really interesting is that you don't have Keelan Cole back listed as a punt returner, but you have him listed as essentially third or fourth, as a kick returner behind Marquise Lee, something tells me Marquise Lee is not returning punts or kicks for at least about four I, weeks. I, yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> right. You're right. I would
0: not do that with my receiver who just came back two weeks before the regular season began. Just, with his just to say
2: that. not returning yeah. one for the first quarter.
0: And I would bet that DJ Chark doesn't start as the kick returner either. Fresh off of a concussion, he had a concussion in Week Three's preseason game returning a kickoff.
2: Yeah, see more Westbrook and Cole handling, receiving, I'm sorry, return duties. Or Irvin to something because Irvin has like 500
0: punt return yards to his name, like 400 kick return yards to his name. So Irvin, they obviously, when they got him off of waivers, that was the plan, like to have him return punts or kicks to some capacity more so than being the fourth string running back. So, uh, yeah, like you said, either DD or Irvin. Is going to see a lot of the snaps at both of those return positions. So, I mean, yeah, that is interesting, though. Like, I, I wouldn't even put – I don't even know why Marquise Lee's on
2: there, to be honest with you as a returner. <laughs> hey, man, you got to list him because, technically speaking, he has been a relatively solid returner in that role when given the chance. So, you know, it's like, hey, we got Westbrook, we got Irvin. Yeah, Marquise Lee would be our third, second option.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. Like you said, it'll be interesting to see like when they actually take the field on Sunday and we'll have all of the coverage on Jaguars wire who actually is starting. And, you know, like you said, with the receivers, we probably expect more of a rotation, you know what I'm saying? Type of deal uh, because Jaguars don't have a, like a marquee number one guy. So they might like take the Eagles approach, you know, the the committee type of approach. Uh, it'll uh, I mean, as long as they get the job done, it's ultimately all that matters. So. I'll be watching it, tuned in, and hopefully the Jets bring in a W against the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, actually, I do see something interesting on the defensive side of the ball, which is a little bit funny, really, is that Taven by uh, Brian is backing up Marcel Darius.
0: Yeah, well, it's Brian. Brian. I mean, of course, obviously, you can tell from this, and it does say it anyway. Nose tackle. So they I guess they, they want to use Avery Jones as nose tackle more so than Darius. So that means Darius is playing a three technique. And yeah, now that you mention that, that is uh that Brian is there as a three technique. I I'm that blew past me. I didn't see that. Instead of at defensive end where they drafted him to be, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. If you watch the preseason, you can understand why they moved him inside, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> That's true. So true. Um, again, man, that's just that
0: just kind of reflects and shows people that that move by the front office wasn't wise at all.
2: But hey, but that's the only thing on the defensive side that really jumps out to me because Yannick is listed as starter one. Josh Allen is his backup. We all know how that'll pan out. Avery Jones as the nose tackle, Darius as the defensive tackle. Kalea is on the other end. Quincy Williams, cool. Miles Jack, cool. Leon Jacobs. Ramsey, you got Boyer, Gerard Wilson, and Ronnie Harrison as your safeties. Everything's par for the course, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man.
0: Yeah, and I you, another thing, which like you said, we know how the Allen things going to end. Josh Allen probably going to be on the field with Yannick and Gakwe
2: a lot. So <laughs> I'm probably going to say Josh Allen is probably going to take Leon Jacobs spot. I thought about that.
0: I, I thought about that. Uh, they. You know, they don't really use a Sam linebacker a lot. That that was a surprise to me too, that Leon Jacobs made the team, being that they don't really use Sam linebackers like that, a strong side linebacker like that. But yeah, in terms of personnel wise, not necessarily taking the strong side position, but
1: right. for the personnel 11,
0: Yeah. Switching out the two in terms of eleven on eleven. Yeah. It you probably will see more Josh Allen in like the the primary package than leon jacobs if that makes sense
2: because Allen played at kentucky with his hand down and his and standing up so that's not really going to be too much of an issue because as we saw in the preseason especially against the dolphins it almost doesn't matter where you put him in the defensive lineup he's going to find a way to get to the ball
0: yep and he's going to free up yannick and uh darius coming back is huge too they People need to remind you, they didn't have Darius when they played the Dolphins. So Darius, the nose tackle, essentially the anchor of the defense. Basically, that's how people view nose tackles these days. Also makes it a little bit more complicated in terms of when Josh Allen is on the field because people, you're going to have to choose somebody to to double team and it's going to be a one-on-one matchup somewhere on there or a one-on-one matchup in several spots on the alignment and yeah, good luck trying to defend that.
2: Yeah. And if it's not one-on-one and you do decide double, you got somebody coming down right behind them. So yep, it's going to create some problems for some of offensive line coaches to figure out how they're going to be able to at least slow down that pass rush to an extent, because more or less your wide right, receivers are on islands by themselves with Ramsey and Boyer. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to say the least. So that looks like we got everything. It's a real quick episode in terms of just what you get from me and Jay, because we had a nice interview that I believe all Jags fans will love. It will give you a little more insight on what the Chiefs have coming to Jacksonville this week, what to expect from them. And, you know, a couple of surprise players there, including one that is Jay is really familiar with and some other things. So far as just the Yoda in the Fournette show today, real short, quick, sweet in and out, but hey,
0: that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, uh, man. first time we did a crossover went well. Uh, we'll be doing another one. I guess I need to probably start reaching out to uh is it uh, the Texans next week? The Texas wire. Again, Mark Lane on Shout outs to Mark Lane, he does good work for them. Uh so I'll start reaching out to him and having him on. He's a guy that uh Mark is often, if I can recall or at least based off his work, he's oftentimes at the Texas facility. So uh, he'll give us some great insight from that perspective. So,
2: oh, tell us about but, that new left tackle they
0: just got. Yeah, that they sold their soul for, basically, if you want to put it that way. They gave up a lot, and they got Kenny Stills, So, same oh,
2: left tackle, and you picked up another solid slot receiver to go with Hopkins and Fuller. Yeah, 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 yeah you know, yeah. All right, that just <laughs> oh, made things fun. And I know why you said that too. <laughs> Just oh, saying. Yeah,
0: just make things fun. <laughs> right, right. Oh man. So, so yeah. Uh I guess um that being said, uh, you can find us on what iTunes SoundCloud, not SoundCloud, scratch that. Uh Stitcher Tune In and Audio Boom for the episodes and uh <laughs> the this one and the ones of the past. Uh I don't have I mean, other than all of the content we're pumping to prepare you for Jags and Chiefs, you know that's pretty much it for me because that's going to consume a lot of my time Uh, in terms of what Jacob has going, whether it be with Steel crew or whatever the case may be. uh, Feel free to let him
2: know, man. Uh, Really, I have nothing right now. I'm kind of just in that weird spot where I'm too far behind on something to do it. So it's just really preparing for week one, seeing what the Jags are looking like and just plugging in the old material. So, you know, make sure you check out my most recent or reasonable conversation with with Kel Dansby who is now taking over the boxing social media for ESPN so much props and congratulations to Kel I got a first 48 a quick little review on Little Brothers new album it is Fonte approved he retweeted it so know it's legit other than that I have nothing too much going on right now just looking forward to Jaguars football and by Jaguars football I mean meaningful football that actually counts not the past month and a half that we sat through so yeah, yeah like you said you know you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Spotify, wherever there's podcasts available. There's more than likely you will find the Jaguars Wire official podcast, the Jagsden podcast, right there for you. And other than that, I think we're good. Phil, sorry you couldn't be here, but as always, we'll hold it down for you. Everybody that is in the path or dealing with the storm or has family that has dealt with it, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. Hopefully this weekend can bring you a little distraction from reality and bring some relief, comfort, and maybe a side of aggravation watching the Jaguars play.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yep, with uh, that being said, we're going to close it out with the favorite phrase that Jacob and Phil like to say at the end of every podcast, and after that, we'll just play the interview with Charles Goldman of the Chiefs Wire. So, Jacob, have at it.
2: Money man, Miles Jack was not down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to
0: the Jags Den podcast. I am your host for today, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. And I am here with Jacob DeLawrence this time. Phil couldn't join us. He's under the weather. Hope you get better, Phil. And um, also they're dealing with some storm conditions in Jacksonville. So prayers to Jacksonville prayers to the bahamas especially they've been through a lot and and the people on the east coast of florida as dorian is kind of working his way up and uh hopefully you know all is well and everybody is you know comes out of this situation safe so uh that said jacob de is with me this time around jacob who is in tallahassee is safe and it's
2: like sunny out there in tallahassee so he's fine uh what's good my man (laughs) Yeah, it's like 100 degrees with the heat index here today. So it's just another (laughs) September day in Florida, basically. But, yeah, I'm doing well today. Again, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody on the Space Coast of Florida, all through the Bahamas, on up to the Carolinas, That are anybody that's in the path of Dorian. While Mm -hmm. it's managed to avoid hitting more of a direct hit, there's still storm conditions, it's still weakened, but it's still a very serious threat. So hopefully everybody has followed the proper procedures and protocol will be safely and they can and enjoy the Jaguars game on Sunday, which is what we're here to discuss. Right. We got a, I think we got a friend with us. Or is he an enemy today?
0: <laughs> well, I guess we will definitely say he's a friend because he's been helping me out all week, all week in <laughs> terms of getting content going and sending me all of the info from Andy Reid and this, that and the other. So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, Charles Goldman from the Chiefs Wire Managing Editor. I think you've been doing it a minute too is at least 2 years, right Charles?
1: Yeah, this, this will be my my second year.
0: Okay, yeah, I believe so because I remember I remember them uh was it Wesley that was doing it at first?
1: Yeah, so uh, so I started on uh as an, an unpaid contributor um in 2016 when Wesley Roche was a managing editor. Right. Um and I took more for him uh he he left to go work for uh the the united soccer league i believe mm-hmm. and uh and i took over for him just uh, ahead of the 2018 nfl draft
0: okay yep i think i remember that and i remember him talking about that he was still doing like production for the podcast but he had give uh handed the reins over to you that's what it was actually and uh, that was yeah. last year, week five, that me and him talked about that. And um, yeah, actually, you you came on the podcast later after they did the interview with me because I listened to the whole thing. So yeah, man, um, glad to have you to talk on this marquee matchup coming up week one, man, right out the gate for both teams. Um, and I mean, it's it's other great matches going up week one, um, going on week one, including one tonight. Uh, and I think that's the Bears and the uh, Packers, as it is on uh, NBC. Of course, uh, that's Thursday night football. Uh, but nonetheless, we're here to talk Jags and Chiefs. And I guess I'll start it off with the first question. Me and Jacob got about five or six here. Um, but with Kansas City Chiefs, uh, with their offense being so phenomenal, man, like especially what we saw last year with Patrick Mahomes taking over, uh, now that he has a year under his belt, uh, we we feel like the unit's gonna be even better looking from the outside in, uh, because he's more experienced. He's got that one year under his belt. Uh, but that said, uh, do you think this offense, and I'm pretty sure you do, based off of all of what Patrick Mahomes has learned last year, do you think this offense is good enough to now uh propel the Chiefs to the Super Bowl? Uh, especially with Andy Reid's tutelage. And uh also, if you will, talk about the other weapons on this Uh, offense as well and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill
1: yeah I uh I do think that that the offense has grown a bit from last year Mm -hmm. um Patrick Mahomes was still kind of feeling his way out through the NFL when when the the Jaguars and Chiefs faced in in week five of uh, the 2018 season right and uh Really, I mean, if you look back, that was one of his worst statistical games. He yeah. had his lowest passer rating um, only completed I think like 57% of his passes. Um, it, it, it really wasn't a great game for him. He didn't throw any touchdown passes. He ran for a touchdown, but he didn't throw any passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, two interceptions. He really looked like he was forcing the ball a couple times. Um, right. and, and that is something that really he's he's kind of tried to learn from. I mean, I, I think as far as learning tape is concerned, that's one that he had last year where he was like, okay, I need to not do this again. Right. And, right. and you kind of look, and from that point, he improved and stopped uh, doing some of those things, stopped forcing the football. Um, and, you know, all the success that he had uh, leading up to the end of the season, um, it, it kind of snowballed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you look back to uh, some of the places where the Chiefs struggled. So, mm. I, I mean, even to, to the last game, the AFC Championship game, that first half of the game, the offense wasn't clicking right. They weren't in sync for the whole game. Right. Second half, they came back. They came storming back. But that first half, had they maybe been clicking, they would have had a better chance to win that game. So Mahomes has specifically been talking about becoming more consistent throughout the entire course of the game, you know, not just like, um, you know, getting hot and making the proper adjustment adjustments at halftime, but coming into the game and starting off the right way on the right foot and making sure that you carry that through throughout a whole game. So you don't have to get into a situation where you're like, Hey, I need my defense to get this one, one stop, you know? Um, he, he doesn't want to have to rely on that. He wants to be able to win the game himself. And I mean, I think that's, that's a mark of a great player right there to, right. to be able to put the team on your back and do that. Um, especially when the going gets tough. But I, I, I do think that he's kind of improved his game and done the right things to elevate it. And man, you know, Can you imagine? How how can the Chiefs possibly have more weapons and add more weapons than they had last season? But somehow (laughs) they've managed to do it. Right. Um, You get two weapons through the draft. And Meikle Hardman uh, out of Georgia uh, used their top draft choice. I think 58 overall. Uh, And then Darwin Thompson, a a sixth-round running back who's just kind of burst onto the scene a little bit. But, you know, then you look at some of the other additions Uh, just recently, LaShawn McCoy comes in, uh, a former Andy Reid guy with the Eagles. So there are some new weapons that are kind of (laughs) going to get mixed in here Mm -hmm. and make that offense a little bit more explosive than it previously was.
0: Yeah, yeah. You make a good point about the weapons thing, too, because as rough as things have been for the Jaguars over the course of the last decade, Somehow we can relate to that on the defensive side. Somehow we still have weapons falling in our lap. And the most notable case or, or the most recent case was Josh Allen that's falling in our laps at seven. Like nobody expected him to be there. We, Me and Jacob thought he was going to be going top four picks, Phil as well, the whole Jaguar squad really, I mean, in terms of uh, the, the fan base. So, yeah, we can relate to that. Like you got a guy like, him to fall to the Jags, and then it, before that he was even jalen ramsey and and yannick Ngakwe and guy and miles jack so we yeah we understand that whole thing about uh being blessed with more weapons on top of uh, arsenal that is already the the strongest suit of your football team um and also on the patrick mahomes thing now i, I do want to say this with mahomes you're right it, it did look like he wasn't all the way developed the last time he faced the Jags, and it did look like he was forcing things but I think what really helped him, now that I think about that game and, and reflect back on it, is uh, of course the Blake Bortles effect. You know, Blake Bortles was very, very terrible in that game, and I, I'm sure me and Jacob lit into him after that game in terms of his performance. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I have to go look at it, at the podcast of the past, but
1: that really helped too. It, it's really kind of it's really kind of funny because it it was almost like a role reversal of sorts between. <laughs> yeah. The Jaguars and the Chiefs in that game. The Jags come in as like the, the number one ranked defense. Mm-hmm. And then like all of a sudden it's their offense uh, is is kind of struggling. The, the Chiefs offense is kind of struggling. And then uh, the, the defense kind of steps up and, you know, they got – the I think it was Chris Jones had a pick six that game. Yep. I think they had three or four interceptions in total. Yep. Um, so, so it was a bit of a, a role reversal there. Um, because the Chiefs kind of had been struggling to that point with their defense. Um, And and I I just found that really interesting. But, you know, uh, you brought up Josh Allen, and my goodness, I I cover a lot of the NFL draft. I do a weekly prospect piece Mm -hmm. um, all the way up until the NFL draft, where I cover about four or five guys, um, do a little mini scouting report. And, uh, Josh Allen was one of my favorites from this past draft. And, and the Chiefs actually have a bit of a relationship there because their new linebackers coach was actually the linebacker coach, uh, or, or the defensive coordinator, excuse me, at Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I believe is the school that that josh yep. allen came from that's correct. i'm not wrong
0: yeah it's yeah, correct
1: <laughs> yeah so 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 he knows the player uh, pretty well mm-hmm. i doubt he'll be involved in the game plan but you know i mean it's kind of cool to see that type of connection um you know i, I think they'll probably have some time before the game to kind of talk and and hang out as sometimes coaches and players do right but uh yeah, I mean, what what a phenomenal player and he had a heck of a preseason for you guys. I mean, that that was really fun to watch even if he didn't I don't think I don't know if he got any sacks or anything like that. I can't remember, but I I do remember him getting after the quarterback quite a bit.
0: Yeah, he didn't get a sack, but he I think he hit uh Ryan Fitzpatrick like five times I was say, in that he Miami to Miami for about a half. I was <laughs> like, "All
1: right, I'm done." Yeah, that was uh, that was just monstrous. I I loved watching that and uh, I have him circled right now. He's he's one of those players I'm looking at like, hey, he could kind of change the game for for you
2: guys.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, Jacob, I'm gonna let you uh, go on with the next question.
2: Gotcha. And uh, speaking of this kind of builds upon your answer with Patrick Mahomes, you mentioned Nicole Hartman Mm -hmm. and that ties into where we want to go next. The Chiefs front office is probably maybe the hottest one in football. Chris Ballard left there to go to Indy. So it's clear that Andy Reid and the front office, they know what they're doing. And could you just elaborate a little bit more on the Chiefs draft class, how they picked up Nicole Hartman. They also have Kaylin Saunders. They have a few, like we said, more weapons for a man who really doesn't need more weapons. Right.
1: Um, so, Michael Hardman, will start there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're all probably familiar with the, uh, the Tyree Kill storyline this mm-hmm. offseason. Right. Um, the, the, the tape that came out and how everyone was expecting him to get suspended by the NFL, and then all of a sudden, no suspension. This all happened, that tape came out hours before the NFL draft. Um, so, you know, people suspected when the chiefs traded up and selected Meikle Hardman that they were like, okay, we don't know what's going on. We're finding out about this real time. Let's, let's go ahead and reinforce our wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, they, they decided to go and get Meikle Hardman. Um, that, I mean, kind of, sort of, it, it feels convenient but it wasn't really the case. They're going to have a decision to make with Sammy Watkins this upcoming uh, season because he's got a, a high cap hit, right? Um, so really, their their depth took a hit, and then uh, also Chris Conley is a player that that left in free agency to join uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. conveniently. So um, they had kind of that need there. I mean, it was probably lesser down. I mean, you look at the Chiefs and their struggles last year, it comes in the defensive secondary. So everyone's like, whoa, why didn't they take a cornerback? Or, whoa, why didn't they take a safety? They, they come out, they take a, a wide receiver in Meikle Hardman. Turns out, I mean, it, you saw this preseason, why they traded up to take Meikle Hardman. Um, he, he's extremely fast, explosive, with the ball in his hands. Um, he can be utilized in a number of different ways, sweeps, reverses. Uh, you, you get him the ball on screen passes, um, and, and he can also be used, you know, kind of as a, a, a decoy in a sense, the same way they use Tyree Kill and his speed as a decoy uh, and, and kind of gets the defense off balance and thinking too much. So um, that's something in a way that I can see Mikkel Hardman kind of stepping in in his first season. He's also a great punt returner um so special teams with with Dave Tobe one of the best special teams coaches in the league um he he always has an emphasis and um always has the ear of the the coaching uh, excuse me the front office when it comes to the draft um so uh that that's another reason for uh grabbing Mikkel Hardman there but um you know w- one of the the most interesting things i think about Hardman um It's just that he's kind of blossomed and come into his own very quickly. Usually, you know, you get receivers and some of them need that development time. But, I mean, I think that Hardman can really step in and participate right away. And they don't necessarily need him to because the the top three guys for the Chiefs remain Tyree Kill, uh, Sammy Watkins, and Demarcus Robinson. But, you know... (laughs) They can go. They can go five wide now. <laughs> get Travis Kelsey on the field and get uh, you know Hardman out there. Yeah. and Spread things out, and, and that's a lot of speed on the field that you're going to have to match up with now. So um, it, it's it's dangerous, and uh, it's interesting, and um, kind of building on on what I said there with the secondary. Um, the next pick that the Chiefs take in the draft is Juan Thornhill, uh, safety out of the University of Virginia. Now, Thornhill has had a lot of hype this preseason. A lot of people um, from outside the building saying, you know, this guy is the real deal. He's going to come in and be a starter eventually. He's not quite there yet. He's still um, third on the depth chart behind Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew. So uh, there's going to be some packages where they get him on the field, big nickel, stuff like that. Um, but, but I wouldn't expect him to be kind of the starting guy right away. He's still got some learning to do, but the upside is there. I mean, he, he led the chiefs in training camp and interceptions with, I think five or six. So, um, he's, he's the type of guy who can be a real, uh, a game changer for the chiefs on the defensive side of the ball. The next up you have, uh, Colin Saunders. Um, he, he's, he's interesting. Uh, he's he's an interesting player he kind of hit what they consider the rookie wall already um, he hit that a little bit this preseason didn't wasn't very productive um, still a very like stout run defender but um, didn't have much happening beyond that mm-hmm. so um, the coaches have kind of talked about it he's a little buried on the depth chart right now. I wouldn't expect to see too much out of him this season though, um keep an eye on his potential involvement on the offensive side of the ball i know that he's a defensive tackle but he played running back at times in high school and the guy is a major athlete i mean he can do backflips and stuff like that i've seen
0: those videos um
1: so you know uh Andy Reid had a couple of plays that he used with Dontari Poe back when he was on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He had one that was a hungry pig right, which was pretty much a screen pass <laughs> to him, which they used in the goal line, which is like a wide receiver screen and he just barrels through. Right. And then they had another one, which was called the bloated Tebow pass, which was where he lined up as a, as quarterback and did a little jump pass at the line of yeah, scrimmage. Yeah, I remember that I
0: too. That, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that one happened. I was actually at that game. It was, uh, I think December – it was Christmas Day, I think, in 2016 or 2017, something like that. Mm. Um, that, that was real fun. <laughs> um, but he, he, Andy Reid figures out ways to utilize athletes on his offense. He just loves all the creative stuff and whatnot. Um, so next up, uh, Rashad Fenton. He is currently the backup cornerback at every cornerback spot the Chiefs have. Um, he was drafted, I believe in the fifth round. Um, he, he, he's, um, I I don't know that he's going to be a a world beater right away. Obviously they have faith in him right now because they only have four cornerbacks on the roster truly. Wow. Um, until Morris Claiborne. Yeah. They're really thin at that position group. Uh, and you know, any injuries there a little bit concerning, but I mean, the nice thing is. Uh, they have a couple safeties who can step in and play corner. Obviously Tyron Matthews played, you know, nickel um, before. So, so that's the type of guy who can step in there and, and do that. So they, they have some options, but, and it's, it's really kind of the, the depth there is concerning. That's a spot to to watch out for, for the Chiefs. And then um, Darwin Thompson would be uh, the, the next fellow who uh, he, he's, I mean, what, what can what can you say about this guy? He's he's a beast, man. He's an absolute beast. We're talking like a, a five foot eight, you know, two hundred pound guy. I think he's like one hundred ninety now. He's down a little bit, but this guy can can deadlift like over six hundred pounds. Christ. He is a monster. <laughs> I mean, you think five, eight, 190 pounds? You are like, whoa. How's that guy going to hold up in the NFL? Well, it's because this guy is literally crafted from clay. Like he (laughs) is, he is, he is the the ideal uh, football player that you would make. So uh, he's 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 looking faster than he did in college, which is important. Uh, He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he can grind out those tough yards. He has crazy contact balance. It's really hard to get him on the, on the ground for how, how small he is. You'd expect it to be easier, but it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then finally, the last draft pick uh, was uh, Nick Allegretti, uh, offensive lineman out of the university of Illinois. Uh, He is uh, the backup center right now, but he can also play some guard. I, doubt you guys will see him, but you never know. I mean, last game, I think we lost two interior offensive linemen due to injury during that game. So maybe you will, you never know. Um, But, but he, uh, he's got a little ways to go, you know, during the preseason, he had a couple lookout blocks and, you know, stuff that that he needed to clean up. But overall for a seventh round draft pick, I mean, you could do a whole lot worse. So yeah, I mean, the chiefs front office, they keep identifying some of these guys, I, this year, this year the class it looks a whole lot better than last year's class. Um, There's still kind of a couple guys from last year's class. They're struggling to see the field. Breland Speaks ended up on injured reserve. Um, you know, Armani Watts is a depth safety. Uh, really, the best guy from from last year's class is Derek Naughty, who's uh, their starting one of their starting defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. So um, I, again, I mean. It, there, there's a reason why the, the front office has been so hot uh, and these other teams have been coming out and trying to, to get the guys in there and have them come and be GMs uh, for them. But um, they, they have a really good process when it goes about evaluating these players. Um, and they're on top of it from the moment the NFL draft ends. They're already evaluating next year, getting ready for, for the next one. I know they've already been out looking at some sleepers at some uh, some D two schools and stuff like that. Um, this last week, they, they were credentialed for a few different uh, few different schools. So, I mean, it's great to be able to reload like that. They're going to have to do it a lot in the future mm-hmm. because you know Patrick Mahomes got this mega contract coming. Yeah. It's down the line, <laughs> and uh, they're really going to need to to ensure that they hit on some of these draft picks moving forward.
2: Yeah, uh, just a quick little segue slash sidebar. Speaking of Mahomes and that mega contract, as a Chiefs fan and someone who covers the Chiefs, how concerned I guess would be the word were you when you saw the numbers for Golf's um, extension? Oh, that's a good one. Not at all.
1: I already knew. I already knew that. That. I mean, Mahomes was already before this golf extension, looking at like two hundred million guaranteed minimum. <laughs> He's. <laughs> He's looking at he, he. might have a fully guaranteed contract. Get Kirk Cousins deal uh, depending depending on how this year goes. I mean, he he. Look, the, the Kansas City Chiefs have been through it at the quarterback position. I mean, they they've had some real stinkers for a
2: while. We know all about that. I sort of say, sir, we we can talk about horrible quarterbacks all day, but I think we'll win this one, <laughs> right? I, I don't know,
1: man. I mean, the last quarterback they picked in the first first round was Todd Blackledge back in the 1980s. And uh, since then, it's been retreats and projects. And it, it's been it's been rough, man. And, and I mean, these fans, they, they deserve Patrick Mahomes. They deserve to see this guy get paid and go on and win a ton of games because they have been through it just as much as y'all deserve to see Nick Foles come in and have success uh, here with the Jaguars.
0: Right. We, you know, we weren't the biggest Nick Foles fan. Well, in terms of the contract, but now that we look at the contracts that quarterbacks are getting now, it's like, Oh yeah, that that was nothing. That was pennies. What we gave Nick Foles. But um, one thing I did want to talk on is in terms of what you were saying about Nicole Hartman, who I can speak on as a Georgia fan. And, I mean, I know a great deal about uh, Tyreek, too, uh, because he he uh, went to high school in my area here in the 229, so a couple counties over. But uh, with with McCole Hartman, one thing that stood out to me that you said was that he already feels NFL ready. And I think that's just kind of the pedigree he comes from at UGA. They kind of have their receiver. They, they already run a pro-style offense. And their receivers typically are, are already kind of like pro ready, if you will. Like you look back at history, it's like AJ Green and uh even, you know, Conley in Conley's case, although he, you know, he didn't necessarily start a lot of games, but you could just tell like those guys come into the game, uh, whether it be from Mark Rick's tenure or Kirby Smart's tenure, but they come into the game like already uh, with a great deal of knowledge on the pro game. So I, I think I could definitely see Nicole Hartman uh starting off the season like really, really hot. Although, like you said, he's not necessarily atop the depth chart, but still I thought that was like a monster pickup for y'all, man. When when I saw y'all pull the trigger on him and I already knew what y'all had with Mahomes. And I mean, granted, like you said, it was because of the whole situation with Tyreek Hill. I was like, oh God, like <laughs> now we gotta deal with him. Like regardless as to what happened to Tyreek Hill, uh Hartman is a guy that could just step right in, I feel like and really replace him if they you know they want to move on in the future or whatever the case may be Uh, I I think uh, Hardman is a guy that has a bright future in Kansas City man
1: yeah you know the interesting thing about Hardman um, Brett Veach said after the draft that um that there's, the Chiefs were sitting there. They had these two draft picks. They were kind of they were pretty close together. I can't remember off the top of my head which numbers mm-hmm. they were, but they were getting phone calls uh, before they decided to trade up. They were getting phone calls for their top draft pick of teams wanting to trade up, and they were kind of curious why who, who are they looking at? They're trying to figure that yeah. out, and. Eventually, they figured it out. They traded up and they took that player themselves. <laughs> and that player was Dipo Hardman. Right. As soon as they traded up and took him, their second draft pick that was pretty close to that first one, they stopped getting calls. No one was calling for that <laughs> pick. It's because they just took the player that everyone was trying to trade up and get. So, um, it, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, projection from from you know college to the NFL is so tricky, right? um with a lot of these players. And, you know, I look at Meikle Hardman and one of the things was he was a relatively new wide receiver. He hadn't been playing the position for very long. I think he played corner or something else in, in high school. Um So he, he was relatively new to, to that position in, uh in, at, at Georgia. Mm-hmm. And you know route running was one of the things that, that I had kind of circled and I was like, okay, he needs to kind of get better. There's route tree was a little limited. He wasn't running the most crisp routes. And then, you know, he comes into Kansas city and he's working with wide receiver coach, Greg Lewis, um, all the different receivers, uh, and Tyree kill, Sammy Watkins, some of these veteran guys who have been doing it for a while and kind of can show him and, and, and lead the way. And I think that's helped. Right. I mean, it really helps how close this locker locker room is. Mm-hmm. Um, Because everyone's super helpful, you know, working together, competing, but at at the same time trying to make everybody the best they can possibly be. Um, So so that, I think, really helped out with uh, with Nicole and his, uh, you know, his transition to the NFL.
0: Right. Right. And and it also helps. Like you said, he's a former cornerback. It also has not uh, it helps to have knowledge on the position you're going up against routinely. That, all, that always kind of works in your favor too. So, like, at least he, you know, regardless as to, you know, how polished he is as a route runner for now, and he's going to get there, like you said, because he got all of these guys helping him. But uh, that knowledge of the cornerback position uh, can really help him get through the storm until, you know, he becomes that polished, you know, route runner as uh, Hill is or as uh, Sammy Watkins is or whatever the case may be. And like you said, they have this, this situation which I don't think is going under the radar in a lot of people's eyes, but they have this situation where Sammy Watkins, you're right. They're going to have to move on from him and he's going to be a big cap casualty. And, you know, to have Hartman in there uh, learning from all of the guys right now at the moment, like I think like that position for the Kansas city cheeses, the outlook on it is very bright. And, and speaking of which we're going to um, continue on the skill positions, but I want to talk about LaShawn McCoy. Uh, As we all have seen in the past, he's worked with Andy Reid in Philly. They did great things there. I think uh, Nick Foles was there with him too with that. I guess you could say that would have been a trio. Uh, But that being said, um, back when he was with Philly, I always said LeSean McCoy, at least on the field, was my favorite running back when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. Could you talk about him a little bit more and what to expect out of him?
1: Yeah, um, he's going to play this week. That, that has been said. Andy Reid said today that in some form uh, he would play. Mm-hmm. So whatever that means, uh, whether he'll just be active and maybe get a couple snaps and pass protection or whatever it is, um, he's going to play. And uh, he he's man, he's one of my favorite players too. Uh, watching watching the the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the Buffalo Bills these past several years. I mean who he reminds me of is one of my all-time favorite players, Marcus Allen, Mm -hmm. Um, because he was just so elusive, so hard to tackle. Um, You you think you have him wrapped up. You're right there. You're right there, ready to make the tackle, and then he just puts a move on you, whether it's a little jump cut, or he reverses his field, or he spins out of it, and he makes you look like an an absolute (laughs) idiot. And I mean, that's kind of what he's best at doing just having that that patience being able to to be evasive and doing that i think that's something that really other than maybe tyree kill with his speed the chiefs don't have a lot of that on on their offense right now they got a lot of weapons but they don't have the guys who can kind of just produce and make things happen on their own so i think getting that at the running back position it's going to allow for some different stuff um Having a guy like that at the end of games is going to be really important who can kind of grind out the tough yards and, 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 and whatnot. Um, that, that'll be good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited by the addition. I, a lot of people were kind of hating on it early. They're like, Hey, we need defense, defense, defense. But I mean, you, you can't have enough weapons for, uh, for this offense to,
2: you know, it's, it's just going to explode. <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, I think, Jacob, the next question is on you, right?
2: Yeah, and speaking of the offense exploding, that was no problem last year because if you think of the Chiefs, a lot of people instantly think of that shootout in the Coliseum with the Rams. I believe that was, what, week 12, week 13 of last Mm -hmm. year where it was like, all right, you know what? Defense, just sit on the side. Just don't worry about this. We got this. But, however, as many people felt like, and predicted would be a problem for the Chiefs, you were going to have to rely on the defense to get you one stop. And it came against the Patriots in the AFC title game. Technically speaking, they got the stop. However, there was the offsides and everything. We all know how that story ends, unfortunately, for Chiefs fans. And the changes were expected to come, and Andy Reid made some, and that included switching from Bob Sutton to Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator which does turn the defense from 3-4 to a 4-3. How confident are you that bringing in Spagnolia is going to fix the problem of the defense being a liability? We already see that you picked up the handy badger and you have a few other pieces, but do you think that's enough to, I don't want to say put the defense on the same level as the offense because that's just not possible, but to make it less of a liability? Uh, I, I
1: think it's possible. I think we're going to have to wait and see here. I mean... Um it, it, I've been call, I've been calling for Bob Sutton to be fired since 2013. Oh, <laughs> uh when he when he when he blew the playoffs, uh you know, the Chiefs had that massive lead, had the massive lead uh over the Colts uh in the playoffs and then Colts came storming back in the second half. They lost 45 to 44. The Chiefs didn't score a single second half point. So, I mean, it was on both, you know, the offense and the defense there, but the the defense really I mean when you got I think they had like twenty eight point lead or something like that at halftime it was it was absolutely unacceptable to 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 drop that lead. Mm-hmm. Um so w- when that happened I was like all right we need to we, we need to get rid of this guy. It's clearly there there's something wrong. And as we've learned throughout the years, what was wrong was that his defense was just purely too complex um, for the players to to really master it Mm -hmm. um so as soon as some of the star players went out with injury you have some of these backups coming in and they didn't know what they were doing it was too hard for guys to communicate um really what spagnola has done coming in uh for the chiefs changing things to a four three it it's definitely a, a big difference a little bit jarring but it's, it's trying to simplify some of the things that were too complex uh, with, with Bob Sutton, trying to make it easier for the players to go out there and make plays, no matter if it's the you know top playmaker on your defense or if it's the third string guy. Um, so really, it, it's kind of combining scheme with some more of those playmakers and whatnot, and, and trying to find a good compromise between that, as opposed to relying on just your superstar players like Bob Sutton did for so long. So um, I I think that there's going to be some some interesting changes. I think the first like four weeks or so, there's going to be some back and forth with the defense. There's going to be some times where there's miscommunications or some issues, and they're going to have to work through those. But I think by like week five, week six, once they get all that stuff squared away, that the defense is going to not be a liability anymore and may even be – good enough that they helped them win some of these games. Um, one thing I've already seen uh, in the, the preseason, I mean, the chiefs pass defense and run defense were almost equally mm-hmm. bad last season. Um, the run defense in particular, going to a four, three has, has changed quite a bit. Linebackers are playing better. Um, new linebacker coach, uh, uh, former defensive coordinator for the university of Kentucky coming in a lot. He's got the linebackers playing a lot better, a lot faster, um, flowing to the football, um, not having to think as much. Uh, They're looking better in coverage. Um, the, the, the one position I'm still concerned about for, for the chiefs is the cornerback spot. Um, they don't have a lot of depth there. If, they get one or two injuries. They're looking at, they're going to have somebody on the field who's capable of being picked on. And, and that's just the reality mm. of it, at least for these, these first, uh, five weeks of the season, uh, cause they don't have Morris Claiborne, who's currently suspended through, um, through week four. So when they get Morris back, they'll feel a little bit more comfortable. He was looking pretty good towards the end of the preseason there, but, um, Right now, it's it's definitely not a great spot to be in uh, at the cornerback position for the Chiefs. And, and it, it's frustrating for fans because that was a spot where they're like, okay, we know we need to get better there. And then you come into the draft, you trade away your first-round pick to get Frank Clark, which I absolutely love. I, I don't know that there would be a better player that they could get than mm-hmm. Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. but. At, at the same time, they don't address the cornerback position until the sixth round. They bring in Bashad Breland, who has looked promising, but you know, can he be a shutdown type of guy for us? I'm not sure. So they still have work to do there. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if by like week four or five, if they've won several games, if they're looking, calling around, trying to find a a cornerback before the trade deadline, just to kind of reinforce that spot, make people feel a little bit more comfortable there. Right now, I I know they're looking, I know they're calling around, Mm -hmm. but everybody has that optimism. You know, it's week one. Everyone's like, all right, this could be our year. They, they got to get some some dose of the NFL reality before they decide, OK, hey, maybe we should trade some of these players away. Focus on next year.
2: Gotcha. So uh, you mentioned that real quick that they'd be calling around. Who would they go pick up? Because while you're looking at Jacksonville, we're not necessarily loaded with offensive weapons at receiver where you're going to need a deep quarterback core. You're going to run into teams that are like that. So I don't think the Gilmores and the Kyle Fullers are going to be available. So who would the Chiefs get?
1: You know, um, they'll they'll be looking for for you know some of the backup guys. I, I mean, I, I look at a couple teams right now that are kind of loaded uh, at the cornerback spot. The one that sticks out to me the most is um, is Green Bay. I think they have seven on their depth chart right now uh, on, on their roster, fifty three man roster. So I, I'd be looking there, um, seeing who they're willing to, to part ways with. Maybe it's a veteran like Tremont Williams. Uh, maybe, maybe it's one of their draft picks. You know, the, the, I think they, who they take? Um, I think it was, uh, Josh Jackson. And then they took another one in the first round the other year. Um, I know the Chiefs were interested in Josh, Josh Jackson. They actually traded up to a spot, uh, below where the Packers took him. And I think it was in anticipation to take him. I don't think they thought that the Packers were going to double dip uh, and, and go cornerback in back to back rounds. And they ended up taking Breeland Speaks, and you know, he's on injured reserve, and you know he would have been a backup anyways this year. So that's a little frustrating. But you know, there, there's kind of a saying uh, among Chiefs Kingdom where they're like, um, you know, Brett, Brett Veach wants it, he gets it. Um, <laughs> He, he wanted to trade for Anthony Hitchens and Samuel Watkins. He ended up getting them in free agency the next you know <laughs> the next year. Uh, he He wanted to trade for Earl Thomas last year uh, in the secondary. He ended up breaking his leg and that trade the trade was actually agreed to, but it got completely called off because of that. And um, the, the chiefs were actually, you know maybe moments away from getting Earl Thomas to come and sign. Uh, with them th- this this offseason, but uh, the Ravens came in at the last minute and offered him a, a three-year deal. So um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It, if he wanted Josh Jackson, I bet he's going to be calling Green Bay every day asking them, hey, are you ready to give him up now? You ready to give him <laughs> up now? Because you know, they have some rookies they like, uh, Kadar Hallman, Um, you know, they have some of the veteran guys in there. Kevin King's just coming back. Uh, I believe the other guy they had was, uh, Jair Alexander. I mean, they got a lot of good cornerbacks over there, uh, in Green Bay that they're kind of holding on to. And, you know, at some point, maybe it's an injury to the wide receiver group. Maybe it's, you know, something where they're like, okay, we need to reinforce the offensive line. Chiefs have 10 offensive linemen on their roster right now. There's going to be teams calling, looking for guys. So. That, that could be an option, um, you know, swapping some offensive line for defensive backs. But um, they're, they're going to be calling around, doing their homework, trying to figure out. And, and you know, maybe it's not a trade. Maybe they're going to poach somebody off the practice squad. But that's a position that they, they know they need to get better at. So they're going to be looking around and trying to figure out what, what's best
2: for them at that spot. Gotcha. Makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a bunch of sense, and uh, yeah, it's funny you said about Brett Veach getting who he wants. Uh, it does seem like, you know, you're always hearing his name in association with. Oh, he wanted this player, and then like years later or a year later, like next thing you know, they're they're a part of the team uh, somehow or some way. Right. Yeah, like so, yeah, I, I believe uh, you. You're probably right on that. He'll uh, he's a guy that you have to watch out for getting his guy. <laughs> um, so that being said uh, the next question is uh, some unknowns uh, cause, because you spoke you spoke very uh, well on some guys on this team that people might not know uh, might not know of or be well aware of or our household names um, just uh, if you would just give me one on each side of the ball uh, in terms of some guys that could be kind of those kind of unknown X factors that could come in and contribute and uh, maybe turn the tide of the game
1: um the guy on offense that I'm going to be looking at is Demarcus Robinson. Um, he's a veteran guy. He kind of came up with Patrick Mahomes because um, he was kind of he, – he wasn't a starter. He was kind of body-blocked by um, some other guys like uh, Tyree Kill, DeAnthony Thomas, um, uh, uh, Chris Conley mm-hmm. even, and – so he kind of came up with Patrick Mahomes in 2017, was playing with him on the scout team and stuff like that. Um, and he, he's he got chemistry with him unlike any other player. Um, when you look at some of those imp- improvisation plays that Mahomes has, usually one of the guys on the receiving end of it is Demarcus Robinson because he knows when the play breaks down, he knows what he has to do to get open. So uh, that right there is, you know, an interesting ability to have when you have such a dynamic quarterback like Mahomes. So um, that, that, that would be a guy I'm looking for on the offensive side of the ball on the defense. Um, I'll say Alex Okafor. a lot of people are going to be paying attention to, uh, to Frank Clark because he, you know, obviously big trade to get him in, into Kansas city, signs a big contract extension but uh, one of the the guys they went out and signed first in the uh, free agency period was uh, Alex Okafor. He was playing for the New Orleans Saints, and he was kind of like a you know rotational backup type of guy. He's going to be a starter in Kansas City. He'll start opposite uh, Frank Clark, and Clark's going to draw all that attention, being that he's kind of the big name. He's the guy that you know defense, uh, offensive coordinators rather, are going to circle and be the guy who gets chipped more often. So that that brings brings me back to Alex Okafor because he's a guy who's going to have to win those one-on-one matchups. Um, they're also probably going to be paying some extra attention to to Chris Jones. So again that's gonna that's gonna really make Alex Okafor one of those guys who's gonna have to step up so that they can't do that from snap to snap. Um, so so he's gonna be a guy that they're gonna rely on to get pressure on the quarterback and to make some plays when, when they try to take away some of the other guys. Gotcha. Right. gotcha.
2: So let's just get you out of here real quick. I know you're a busy man. We don't want to take up too much of your time. We can honestly talk about how Jalen is going to shut Tyreek Hill up and then proceed <laughs> to drop <out> great <laughs> promo ever after the game. But we're just going to save that for another day. But oh. what we do want to know before you go is what is the end result other than another Jalen Ramsey promo one way or the other in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: You know, I, I it, for for that matchup or for the full uh, game? Are you asking my oh. game particular? uh I think that matchup is going to be one of those heavyweight fights where where you know after the game they're the they're going to have to call it and figure out who won because when you look at last time it, it was pretty even. I, I I feel like Tyree Hill got the the best of of Jalen, but I can't really say that because you know it, it, it was you know, two for four, 48 yards or something like that. It it was, uh, it was pretty even, no touchdowns. So that, you know, that maybe you could use that as a, you know, as the deciding factor, but I don't know. I think, I think that Tyreek's going to get a few and Jalen's going to get a few, um, there's enough other weapons on the field for the chiefs that, I mean, maybe they'll just use, you know, um, Tyreek is a decoy the whole time and get Jalen off his, you know,
0: yeah, that was kind of the case last year, or the, yeah, in the last meeting. Like, it wasn't so much the Tyree Kill and Jalen Ramsey show. It was more so Travis Kelsey. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Travis had like five catches for a hundred yards, and it was Kareem Hunt who was doing all the damage. Which I mean, that was kind of expected, but yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so it, I think that that won't play into to this as much as maybe we're thinking, but um. I, I have a hard time feeling like that the Chiefs are going to go out there and and not win this mm-hmm. football game. Um, they, they've they've been real anxious ever since the the uh, the the end there with the AFC Championship game. I know they want to get this this season started off on the right foot. Um, a lot of people have been pointing to the humidity in Jacksonville and on. You know, the, the day in training camp where it was like 95 degrees, 100% humidity out in St. Joseph. Andy Reid left the starters on offense and defense out on the field for 25 straight plays and had him go at it because he knew that it was going to be nice and humid in Jacksonville for week one. So I, I think they'll be prepared for that. They know what they're going to be, be dealing with. And the fact that they're deep, um, you know, really on, on offense and defense. Um, you know, a lot of these positions. I think that that will will help them kind of stay fresh um, with that humidity. Right. And uh, you know, I, I I just uh, I think that that they're going to get off on the right foot. My score prediction. Um, I, I was feeling thirty four to nineteen, maybe twenty points to, to the Jags um, with with the Chiefs walking away with the W. Oh, that's right. a long, that's a
0: big discrepancy too, man. But I mean, like, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. We could see that happening as well as a victory, too. So you, you kind of never know with those guys.
1: Well, and, you know, my, my thoughts behind it are kind of the, you know, it's relatively new offense the working together. Right. That um, and, and, you know, the Chiefs defense also new. So I think the Jaguars are going to get some, you know, they're going to get some of theirs. But I think when it comes to getting a couple stops, that, that the Chiefs are probably going to, have the advantage there, and um, Patrick Mahomes. I, I just you know he does his thing. I I, I don't know that. You know, there's been a lot of talk of that now. There's tape on Patrick Mahomes, but like what what type of tape is going to help you defend a left handed pass? You know,
0: like <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah, a no look pass right? or something I, crazy right mean, like there. Right? There's
1: only so much you can do against some of these things that he's capable of and does and sees on the field, and you know, there's a reason that there's like a highlight reel of defenders throwing up their their arms in like disgust after Patrick Mahomes makes a play against them because they just like, they, there's nothing they could have done better in that situation. They just got Patrick Mahomes. So um, yeah. <laughs> right. it, it just, um, I, I have a hard time feeling that they come in and, and, and you know, and struggle in the first one, but. You never know man i mean as andy reed said they respect the talent and they respect the physicality of this jaguars team so um and there's a lot of it so i i think it's going to be a good one i think it's going to be a fun game no matter what and i'm really excited for it
0: yeah yeah i feel you i mean in terms of uh andy reed will have them ready there's no doubt about that um and he, I mean, traditionally against the Jaguars, I, I don't know what his record is against the Jags, but he typically has his team ready for the Jaguars. I mean, albeit the Jaguars, other than twenty seventeen, have have kind of sucked, but you know, he, he does, you know, have them prepared for the humidity and and whatever like sucker punches or surprises. I think the they Chiefs might have, have in a six six
1: record against the Jags, so I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty even, so. um As for Andy Reid, I don't know off the top of my head what his record is against the Jags, but I mean, he's one of the winningest coaches in all time NFL history. (laughs) I'm sure he's gotten a few on him. So, um, and, you know, I'm excited just to see what he's drawn up. I mean, we're talking about a guy who who doesn't go to bed. He like sits there and just draws plays for hours and hours, (laughs) watches old film, finds stuff that, you know, he thinks, "Hey, maybe this will work in the NFL today." Or, you know, maybe it's new film. I mean, he's bringing players from college into the game. Um, you know, Chiefs got a bunch of running backs and ten offensive linemen. They might run the wishbone this year,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the wing T or something. Yeah, Who knows, I mean, man? It's, uh, it'll
1: be interesting.
0: Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. On, on the read stuff, man. He's. He's a, a bright offensive mind. I think a lot of people. I mean, I guess you could say rightfully so because he's only he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Uh, if I'm not mistaken,
1: yeah, that's, did he win one with the Eagles? Nah, he hasn't. He's been he hasn't uh, won.
2: Right. Um. Actually, hold on. Let me see. I'm trying to find right. his record now. No, Andy Reid has one with Mike Holmgren. Ah,
1: uh, yeah. Well, he hasn't won one himself right. as the head coach.
2: All right. Right. But yeah, That's what I was saying wrong. is, yeah, he's he's just one of those
0: offensive minds that like even despite that he's been so successful and he's a guy that like he, it's fun to watch what he dials up. Like you said, man, like <laughs> the guy, look, he, he seems like a guy that literally doesn't go to bed at night and just sit on the porch, probably drawing up plays on on paper or his iPad or whatever, just thinking of crazy stuff to to do with Patrick Mahomes and. Yeah, I can't wait for this one, man. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting one. And, I, I mean, quite frankly, I think we it's possible we could be looking at the AFC Championship if, you know, all goes well for both
1: teams. I, I think that it's very probable, in fact, that that this is a preview of the AFC Championship game. I mean, these are definitely two of the best teams in the AFC going against each other. No disrespect, obviously, to the the Patriots uh, and, and Tom Brady. Right. But, uh I mean, these these are, are two of the best teams out there. And I, I really I wouldn't be surprised if if we're looking at that preview.
0: Right. Right. So, yeah, that being said, uh, Charles Goldman, ladies and gentlemen of the Chiefs Wire was kind enough to join us for our first. I think this is our first crossover episode. Actually, uh, we've had guests on before, but nobody from another wire site. So. Uh, much appreciated that you came on Charles, man. And, and thanks for all the insight, man. It was a, a very good start for the season for us in terms of a podcast.
2: Hey,
1: absolutely. I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. If you want to uh, feel free, uh, plug all your handles before you close out my man and, and tell them where all, they can get all of your content mm-hmm. because your content, man, I look at it all the time. And you guys are getting crazy traffic over there. So let the people know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me personally at gold MCT NFL uh, on Twitter. You can follow uh, the chief's wire at the chief's wire. Um, it, uh, that'd be the one for us where uh got the little verified check. I know there's a little impersonator or something out there, but um and, and,
0: and then uh, yeah we don't do those fates man right? call them out man call them out <laughs> uh,
1: facebook.com slash chiefswire uh, would be where you can find our stuff on facebook obviously uh, the website handle Today.com, or you can just pop in chiefswire.com and it'll redirect you there um yeah i mean uh, uh come come check us out we've got great stuff on the kansas city chiefs um uh-huh. I, I think I have some stuff you can search for from Chris Conley from back in the day. Um, some good stuff. He made this really cool um, star Wars uh, fan film when he was at the university of Georgia. And I was like, yeah,
2: I'm probably,
1: probably going to boost it every day forever on star Wars day. <laughs> Cause <laughs> that's just so fun, you know, but right. You know, uh, it, we, we actually, there's a lot of former chiefs players on, um, on on this current jaguars team between uh dj alexander chris conley nick Foles, so there, there's some stuff that you mm-hmm. can dig up on chief's wire that might be relevant to y'all
0: <laughs> right right uh, uh what's his name the quarterback we just got from y'all practice squad too his name is escaping me from uh, uh chase- the one that went to marshall chase Litton. yeah chase Litton. so yeah i mean like there are some guys on there that you know definitely we could find some insight on on the Chiefs wire. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Charles Goldman. And uh, yep, we're going to sign out on this one.